Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres, and if you'd like to be a part of our community, head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Community to Apply. All right, so today I have Gil Alush on the line, and he's founder and CEO of metadata.io. Gil, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, Gil. So excited to get into today's topic and learn more about metadata.io. And just to get us kicked off, we'll start off with what we like to call our Mission Matters Minute. So, Gil, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. That's our mission. Gil, what mission matters to you? At metadata.io, we want to make every marketing department in every B2B company a profit unit. And also, we want to get marketers back on the activities that they signed up for when they chose a marketing career. Not the technical, repetitive, mundane tasks, but rather the creative and fun work of marketing. That's our mission. Hmm. Wonderful. Love bringing mission-based entrepreneurs on the show to share, you know, why they do what they do, how they're doing it, and really what we can all learn from each other so that we grow together. So great having you on. And I guess just to get this kicked off, so were you always a marketer? Like, like how did you get going in marketing? No, not at all. I actually started my career as a software engineer in robotics, mm. believe it or not. I, uh, that's where I spent the first part of my career. Uh, I came to the United States, did my graduate school, ended up in marketing for about eight years. And like every software engineer, you know, I wanted to automate every part of my work. And I ended up automating the, the job of a B2B demand generation marketer. And that's how Metadata came to be. Wow. And so in that journey of that process, I guess, at one point, were you, were you always an entrepreneur or did you start off working for somebody else? Or like, like how, did that, how did that transpire, like launching metadata? I had a few businesses before. I, I would say I have an entrepreneurial mindset. I had it was in your blood? Business. Was it in your it, blood? Or? <laughs> I think so. I think it's in my blood. I always wanted to work for myself. I think most entrepreneurs are not great employees. And I would say I belong to that group. Uh, <laughs> I can work in companies and I have worked in companies, but I always hated the fact that there is a glass ceiling to my responsibility and to my earnings and to my decision-making mostly. I like the freedom of making my own choices. And so I always wanted to start a company. I had a few, most of them were small kind of lifestyle, like an IT consultancy and things like that before. But Metadata is my first, uh, I would say, software business that is growing a nice in a nice uh, way year after year. Wow, that's amazing. And it, when did you know you had something with this? I mean, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I'll say like in, in terms of, you know, as entrepreneurs, and it sounds to me like you're definitely in the serial entrepreneur mindset, like you knew you were going to be launching something at some point, and that, that's you. So as entrepreneurs, we get a lot of ideas. We're like, oh, this is a good idea. This is a good idea. When did you know that metadata was going to be your thing? Like you're like, oh, I'm going to focus serious attention to this. So I was invited, I think in 2016, if I'm not mistaken, to kind of a networking event for CMOs in Silicon Valley. And I was, I was brought in to speak about this methodology I'm using, this experimentation and data methodology I'm using for B2B marketing. And I didn't have metadata back yet. It was just like an idea and a concept mm -hmm. methodology that I wanted to make a company, but I didn't have enough data to support it actually happening. And honestly, I also didn't have the courage just yet to just like leave my job and and do it. But that's a big, that's a big one to jump off the like cliff. I'm like, that's a big moment. <laughs> yeah, it was a big moment, you know, and you work as a VP in a tech company in Silicon Valley, there's a lot to lose, right? Like, you know, it took mm -hmm. me years to get back to the same salary that I made as CEO 
in the physical marketing, you know, being a CEO of my own company. But it's of course it's definitely worthwhile change. But mm-hmm. to make a long story short, I was talking in that event. In that event, you know, as I was presenting the methodology and the idea of, of metadata, essentially without calling it metadata, I had a bunch of hand raisers who asked me, "How can we work with you? This is look exactly what we're looking for." And I told him, well, it just happens to be that I just started a company in this exact area, and that's, that's what I do. I'd love to work with you. And in that break, in the coffee break of that event, I went on LinkedIn right on that spot, and I changed my title from whatever wow. I was doing. What was it like? Like, you're in that break, and you're like, I'm doing this. I'm like, how did you feel? You're changing the LinkedIn. You're announcing it publicly. Like, what was that like? It was scary. It was scary. First of all, I made a mistake because when you make it a job change in LinkedIn, there's a small checkbox you can uncheck. And when you uncheck <laughs> it, it makes kind of a silent announcement. You know, the change is happening, but only... It notified everybody. Come on. I made exactly. I made a mistake. It just notified everyone in the network. And I got like dozens of comments. It's not like more. And my friends called me and I got texted. It's like, oh, congratulations. They realized. And I was like, fuck. This is not supposed to be a big announcement. But like, you know... Once you make that announcement commitment, you know, the rest the rest follows. So it ended That's up being the universe. Happened. That's God right there. That's the it's universe. Right. It's, it's like, yep. It's happening. <laughs> oh man, that's what an amazing story. And then for everybody watching this, by the way, not you've been just to kind of bring people up to speed. So I mean you've been on this journey for over eight years now, right? So this isn't this is uh I'm taking Gil back in time on this one, right? <laughs> yeah, I think this is year seven for me with, with Metadata. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. So let's 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 bring it on a little bit further to present day. So what kind of issues and what? Because you're, I feel that you're pretty early on on this. If we think eight years and in the space you're at, so now when people are thinking about automations and marketing, all this like present day with AI, and now that's like this is the conversation of our time. But you, you know, you're eight years in on the, in this space. So what's interesting to you right now that you're seeing? What I find very interesting, and I love it, is that AI is becoming from slowly but surely something that people are just afraid of to something that they're afraid of but also excited about. And hopefully over time, they're going to be more excited than afraid of. You know, ChatGPT, for example, brought, brought AI to the hands of every household. And it's on the path of becoming, you know, one of the most popular technologies out there. And it's just a glimpse of what AI can do. Uh, at Metadata, we knew early on that artificial intelligence has the power to not only tell you what to do or give you advice of what to do and then you get into analysis paralysis, but it can actually skip skip that step and actually do what it knows is going to be the best next action. And that's how we built Metadata around that, around that concept of you don't need to do all these technical repetitive mandates. You don't have to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and go to a thousand UTM times. You don't have to like, spend seven hours on Facebook setting up campaign experiments. You don't have to have seven screens open to to audit uh, the performance of your campaigns. All of that is is a work that the machine can do with pleasure versus a, a human, you know, kind of like not really enjoying that kind of the type of work. And so I'm very excited about that trend because it's, you know, when you build a startup, the first thing you have to do is survive. You have to survive to get to the time where the idea that you curated your company around is becoming popular, is becoming a mainstream. And so the market kind of converges to you when that happens, and uh, I'm feeling that like that that moment in time is, is happening for us. I know the economy is tough, and at the same time, the the innovation is happening, and people are getting more and more comfortable with the idea of artificial intelligence doing a lot of the work for them. And so I'm most excited about that trend. Mm. What kind of companies do you work with, or, or industries, if there's a niche or a specialty? 
Absolutely. I would say for a startup, if you don't have a particular niche, mm-hmm. that's not a good sign. We're targeting the mid, B2B companies only in the mid-market, in the mid-market range. So like you imagine like 250, 300 employees up to like a few thousands. So think about companies like Yelp, Zoom, Juniper Network, Ramp, you know, Bricks. Those are the kind of companies we work with. A uh, lot of tech companies, a lot of internet companies, complex sales process and high ticket price. So most of our customers sell their products for the very least 40, 50K all the way to, you know, hundreds of thousands or even million of dollars per year. What has been some of your, like, your use case studies? Like, tell us about some wins and how you've, and what you've been able to integrate. And you don't have to say the name of the company, by the way, but just give us a flavor for the work. That's all. It's, it's and you're welcome published. to say the name, by the way. I just don't like to put people on the spot with that. That's all. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. It's published out there. So the companies we work with, the reason they come to Metadata is because they want to, first of all, they want to, they want to guarantee, they kind of want to move from art to science. You know, in, in B2B marketing, people try a lot of things and they don't even know how to measure the campaigns that they're running. It takes them a lot of time to run a campaign and they don't really know how to measure whether it works or not. Sometimes they measure it on like impressions and clicks and all kinds of vanity metrics. Well, the only important thing in a B2B company in terms of marketing is did you generate pipeline and did you generate revenue? And if you did, Mm -hmm. what was the cost? What is the customer acquisition cost? And so the two things that we work with companies to improve is the economies of scale of their growth and reducing their CAC. We provide them with a system that experiment at scale. It doesn't run three, four, five campaigns. It runs 300, 400, 500 campaigns at scale, mm-hmm. and it quickly fine-tunes into the 30, 40 campaigns that generate 80% of the revenue. And it does that constantly. So it constantly runs like an arbitrage on all of your campaigns, all of the channels, all of the campaign types, all of the audience, all of the creatives, and it fine-tunes into the combinations that work the best. This is something that the human cannot do effectively, but a machine can do very effectively. Similar to if you compare the way stock trading was happening in the 80s and the 70s versus the way stock trading is happening these days with computers, it's kind of a, a similar analogy. And so our customers, on the other end, what they see is they see predictable growth. If they want to generate $50 million in pipeline next quarter or, or $5 million in pipeline next quarter, they can control it. And the system will tell them exactly what budget they need to put as an input in order to get that pipeline as an output. And the second thing that our customers see consistently is a reduction in customer acquisition cost. We have the capability using the experimentation to do arbitrage. Effectively, the system finds the low-hanging fruits in any point of time. If there is a particular campaign type that is more effective or you're not competing against many marketers in this particular audience or channel, mm-hmm. quickly diverge a lot of your budget there because you'll get, you'll get such better benefits. And if alternatively something is becoming really expensive, like a channel is becoming expensive and popular, it will reduce the, the spend there and find a more, more appropriate alternative. Those are the best outcomes that a marketer can have, a CMO can have, because these are the kind of outcomes they can report back to the CEO and the CEO can report back to the board. And so that's what we, we focus on. It's interesting to me because this is, so where you were ahead of the curve on this, like when I think about even in the small business space, when you think about the way that like bidding, even just, I guess, just to take one one small example would be like a Facebook, how the bidding's working and how how now, like what you just described, that's what's being, you, there's no longer going to be this time point in time where it's going to be, okay, you found your winning campaign and you never change it. Like that's not going to happen anymore. Like the algorithm, everything's already 
really changing to where it's not making it happen because ultimately if you think about the ad platform themselves and I'm only talking about Facebook just as a small niche of ad platforms right but just as a just to start somewhere like for that they they ultimately as an ad platform want you to spend more money with them right like that's mm-hmm. a given so so now if you just found this winning winning ad at some point it's not there's only so much audience for it anyway so they want you testing they want you changing things so if you, this this ad that you had before they may they may show it to less people over time so if you're not and so now when you think about just being more competitive for other people that are bidding on those on those same on those on that same audience like without this testing at scale if everybody if you think about you versus your competition who are launching one or two or three or five or whatever versus hundreds like it's just kind of when you really think about it it's common sense as to why wouldn't the entire industry evolve to that at some point like why wouldn't totally it? It, couldn't, it? It can't not. It's not like it's there is, it, because it's too measurable. Like everything's way too measurable, and the analytics are only getting better. Like even in things like podcasting, like a- analytics for tracking that, which didn't even exist, uh, let's say five years ago, now exist, and they're still in market share from radio. So if we think about any of any of these things, it's like wow, what you just described. It's one of those things like. Like, you know, we, we need we need you in the small business market too, man, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. One you know, day, Gil, one day. <laughs> I will say two, two things about that. First of all, right on, I completely agree. Like, you know, experimentation is, is not, not an option anymore. The audience yeah. will turn out eventually and the creative fatigue will happen. And so you have to constantly have new AI can generate a lot of it. Like, for example, within yeah. metadata, it can automatically generate new sets of text variations for you based on what worked and what didn't work in the past. You don't even have to come up with all the inputs. Once you have a baseline, mm-hmm. it can automatically create more iterations. The other thing that you mentioned that is very, very true that people forget is that every advertising channel, doesn't matter what it is, Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. TikTok, LinkedIn, Google, they optimize for one thing and for one thing only, and that is for you to spend more money on this channel. <laughs> thank so, you, thank you. There's no altruism there. Thank you. <laughs> no, of course not. And so if you rely on one channel to do the work for you, it's never going to happen. They always want to optimize. They're always going to give you some reason why you should spend more money on them. They're not going to tell you. Facebook is going to tell you, well, you kind of exhausted the audience here. You should now go to LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn's not going to yeah. tell you, well, you know, you spent enough here. You should go to Google AdWords. You're going to get better prices. Can you imagine that email? Go, can you imagine that email? Hold on. I want to think about that for a second. Can you imagine that email from Facebook that says, hey, you spent <laughs> enough money with us already, and I don't think we can hit the objective that much more. You might be better off going to LinkedIn. <laughs> Yeah, I, Sorry, I had I to play that. Be, Continue, girl. I just had I don't think to. I'll be alive for that. For, I don't think I'll be, I'll be around for something that the parallel universe. Your friends at Facebook. Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that was it. Like I agree with yeah. those two points, and I think you have to always be on experimentation and you know constantly do arbitrage. There's also new types of campaigns. Not there's video, there's podcast, there's like. There's the short videos, there's the side reels, the carousel ads. There's so many types that you should also reiterate through them. You know, it always, there's always a new thing. It's very recommended for someone to have some sort of system to go through experimentation. If you're stagnating on anything, even if it was a major winner for you a year ago, it's not going to be the same thing the next year and the year after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you think it is, then uh, everybody else that's implementing by using companies like yourself or or technology in general that are that are they're, they're going to be doing it, and little by little you're going to lose ground. Like that's the way I feel like it. If you don't, it's not one of those bandwagon things. It's like it's a paradigm shift. It's a it's a complete shift, especially with ChatGPT, just because 
because now the the layman is is even using the the conversation of using prompts. Like I'm like I, when I I haven't heard it yet, but the day so I knew Facebook was mainstream when my mom joined, and I'm like there you go. I, I think there's even a term for that, right? It's like mother factor or something like that. I don't remember the term, but it's like did when when a certain generation adopts it. My mom was on TikTok. I'm like okay, there we go. Now everybody's there. I'm telling you, Gil, the day that my mom, which is probably in the very near future, is like. Well, Adam, what prompts do you think I should put in the chat GPT? And she's oh not going to call it chat GPT. She's going to call it chat GTO. <laughs> and, but mom, GTO was a car. It's not GTO. <laughs> when, when, when my mom asked me what prompt she needs to put into, or no, she's going to call it a prop. What prop should I put in in chat GTO? <laughs> I'm done, Gil. I quit then. That's hilarious. Yeah, well. Oh, man. Well, Gil, hey. I just have to say, it's been great having you on the show today, but I do for my audience. I know we just scratched the surface on marketing and on, on talking and, and also in the full, the full breadth of what you do over at metadata.io. So if somebody is listening to this or watching this and they want to follow up and connect and continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to do that? Look, as a product person myself, and you mentioned you asked to have something for startups, we actually do have an offering for startups. We have a free trial. You get the first three audiences for free. So wow. the best way to experiment with those things, I think, to actually experiment with the product and try it out mm. versus reading about it and requesting demos and things like that. So you go to metadata.io, you click on free trial or you click on MetaMatch and just take a, take a ride on your own and, and you experiment what happens when you apply AI to advertising and marketing. Man, that's awesome. And for our audience, just to let you know, we'll put we'll put all of, we'll put the websites and all that good stuff in the show notes so that you can just click on the links and head right on over and check out that free trial. And speaking of the audience, if this is your first time with Mission Matters or engaging in an episode, we're all about bringing on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and having them share their mission, the reason behind their mission, you know, why they do what they do, what wakes them up in the morning to get out into the marketplace and make a difference. If that sounds exciting or fun or engaging to you, we welcome you. Hit that subscribe button. We have many more mission-based individuals coming up on the line, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Gil, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's truly been a pleasure. Same here. Thank you very much for having me.